2, and we'll be reading from verse 14 through to the end of chapter 2. Uh, the Apostle James, who was the earthly brother of the Lord Jesus, is writing here uh, about how faith and deeds are related. Now, this is God's word. Verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does, and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2, and on this occasion I want to read from verse 9 uh, through to verse 25. Some of these verses read before during the course of the weekend but first peter chapter 2 at verse 9 but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to god that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that although they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men 
but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned, or you have been returned, to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So reads God's own true word. Now I'll Let me just uh, begin this morning with a, a very quick recap on what I've been saying in the first uh, two talks on the subject of are we doing any good? Uh, in the first talk, uh, I was pointing out the reality that uh, the world isn't interested in the gospel and that we have to be interested uh, in the people. And then uh, yesterday, I was talking on the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and the approach that he had in his life and ministry. Jesus went about doing good. He was mighty in deed and in word. And we, we thought about how he lived his life, uh, how in the training of his apostles and disciples, he trained them to do the same kind of thing that he was doing. And we noted in his teaching uh, how he attached great importance uh, to doing good. For example, the parable of the Good Samaritan, his emphasis on loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, on letting your light shine so that others will see your good works and glorify God. We also thought briefly about how the devil is at work and how he seeks to drive a wedge between the doing of good on the one hand and the telling of the good news on the other hand. And Satan wants to create two different kinds of useless churches. One that does lots of good, but has no good news, and the other that has good news, but does no good. And so nobody comes to hear the good news. 
And uh, today I want to continue with the same uh, theme, but to move on from the life of our Lord to the days of the Apostles and to see what we can learn from their lives and teaching in regard to this same matter. So first of all, I want to speak about the ministry of the Apostles. Uh, The Apostles were trained by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He trained them to go out and to address practical needs and spiritual needs. Now, did they continue to do that after Jesus uh, had risen from the dead and returned to heaven? In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus gives this promise to his followers. He says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be, ma- you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, you shall be my witnesses. What kind of witnesses were the apostles to the Lord Jesus Christ? Did Jesus mean that from now on they were were only to have a witness that was by means of their words? Or were they to continue in what they had been doing to have a witness that uh, was a, a blend of words and deeds? Well, surely it is clear from reading the Acts of the Apostles that they continued to have a witness that was one of both deeds and words. In Acts chapter 3, we're told about the healing of a man who was born lame. And then in Acts chapter 5, we have these words from verse 14. It says there, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women, So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. doesn't say they were all sent away, but the apostles said, no, that's not what we're called to do now. We're just called to preach the word of God. No, they were all healed. Uh, The apostles continued to minister as the Lord Jesus had done and as the Lord Jesus had trained them to do. Uh, It wasn't meant to be just a temporary thing for the lifetime of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was to be an ongoing thing uh, within his church. Ministry of the Apostles. Well, the second thing I want you to think about is the appointment of the seven. And this is found in Acts chapter 6. And some people would argue that when you come to Acts chapter 6, there there is a bit of a change in the outlook of the the church. And in that chapter, there's a problem that arises uh, within the church in Jerusalem. uh, There uh, were a lot of needy needy widows uh, who were there. And there was a daily distribution of food among uh, the needy widows. And uh, there, was a, uh, there was a difficulty in getting that work done. And, and a certain group felt that they were being overlooked uh, where, while others were being served. And there's a recognition by the apostles that uh, they were not able to do all the work that was there to be done in those days. And so you have the choosing of seven men of good reputation and they are appointed to look after uh, these practical matters of helping the poor widows. 
the apostles themselves said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, what you have there in that uh, event is not a decision that the mercy ministry of the church isn't important. On the contrary, it is important. And that's why men were appointed to particularly ensure that that aspect of the church's life and witness continued. It was seen as essential that that uh, help be given to the widows at that time. Uh, that was necessary so that the church's witness would not be lost. It was, it was vital also that the preaching of the gospel should continue and the, apostle, the apostles gave themselves to that work, to prayer, to the ministry of God's word. Uh, that recognition of the importance of the church having a witness of good works is shown then in the existence of deacons within New Testament churches. It wasn't just elders that were there in the churches, there were also deacons. And uh, in Carrickfergus, you have men who serve as deacons, and, and that is a good thing to have. Uh, it has been the case that the existence of deacons has been something that has fallen away uh, for a long time within the Reformed Presbyterian Church. And whenever uh, the need for a mercy ministry is lost sight of, well then, it won't be long before people will think, well, why do we need deacons anyway? But uh, you are in the good position where you have men who have been ordained by God to serve as deacons, and it would be good for your board of deacons to consider ways in which, as a congregation, you can seek to do good within your own community. Often the work of deacons is reduced uh, to being thought of as dealing with finance and fabric. That's the way it was in Scotland. That's what deacons were seen as, as doing. It's finance, it's money, it's fabric, it's, it's buildings and things. The work of deacons is primarily about people. It's not primarily about money and buildings. It's about people. And deacons need to cultivate the mindset that that's what it's all about. And in the New Testament church, uh, you have the existence of deacons. The appointment of the seven in Acts chapter 6 and the existence of deacons uh, emphasizes that our Lord has an ongoing desire that uh, the church would be a church that, that cares for the poor, that reaches out in deeds of mercy. Now, the third thing I want to speak about uh, is the teaching of the epistles. Uh, maybe there is at least one person here who has been thinking of some of the things that I've been saying this weekend and thinking, well, that doesn't really apply to the church today. Church today is different from the days of Jesus and the days of the apostles. Jesus went around doing miracles. The apostles weren't around doing miracles. And we don't go around doing miracles. Uh, there were extra extraordinary gifts that were present in the, the New Testament era of the apostles. Uh, we aren't able to heal the sick and crippled and so on. But that does not mean that therefore there is no good that we can do. God gives gifts to his people 
And we might think of them as being ordinary gifts. But if you use your ordinary gifts to help someone else, the person you've helped will not think of your gift as being an ordinary gift. And uh, I want you to note some of the teachings of the apostles that were given to ordinary people like us, non-miracle workers, to show clearly that the doing of good is something that is meant to be at the heart of our Christian witness. Uh, We are still meant to have a ministry of both deed and word. There there are over 30 places uh, in the New Testament where the epistles tell us of our need to go around doing good, just as Jesus did. And I'm going to select a few of these. First one I'll mention is Galatians uh, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And it says there, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith. And there we have a warning against abandoning the doing of good as a result of of weariness. Uh, we We have the command to do what's good as long, as often as the opportunity arises. And we have the promise that from this work we will reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. So there's always a temptation to lose heart. Whenever you don't see any results from what you've been doing, there's a temptation to lose heart. We're told not to do that. We're not to be weary in doing good. We're to press on in it. And at God's appointed time, the right time, there will be a harvest. Um, Second place I mention is Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we're reminded there of God's purpose in saving sinners. One of his purposes is that we would be the ones who would do his good works. And we have the assurance that God has lined those good works up uh, throughout our lives. Always it's the case that God has something new for you to do. He has prepared them in advance that we should live that kind of life, a life where we're always seeking to do the good that God gives us opportunity to do. So we will not be without the opportunity to do good. Nobody can argue, I don't have the opportunity because the scriptures tell us that God has prepared those opportunities in advance. The third scripture reference is uh, particularly directed to those who are rich. And I don't know who that applies to. But 1 Timothy 6 verse 18, uh, it says, Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Uh, Those in the church who are better off financially, have opportunities that other people don't have. And those who are uh, richer are to make sure that they are rich also in good works. And those who are rich are to use their wealth for the purpose of doing good. And one way in which that can happen 
is that the wealthy uh, can use their riches to make it possible for others in the church uh, to do good in the community. The rich can make possible uh, what they may not be able to be directly involved in themselves, but they can make ministries possible as a result of their wealth. Uh, So the Lord says, make sure you use your wealth for the purpose of advancing uh, good deeds. Fourth place in the epistles I refer to is uh, the book of Titus. If there's one book in the New Testament that that emphasizes the doing of good, it is the book of Titus. Uh, Scattered throughout the three chapters of Titus, there are many references uh, to the doing of good by Christians. Uh, For example, chapter 2, verse 14, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Uh, God is in the business of uh, of working uh, to create his own special people. And one of the features of God's special people is that they are zealous for good works. Don't just have a passing interest in doing what's good, but a zeal for doing what's good. Something that we treat as being of great importance and something to which we give great energy. Zealous for good works. Chapter 3, verse 1 in Titus. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. We are to have a spirit of readiness for doing every kind of good work. That wasn't there in the priest and the Levite who who passed by on the other side. They were not ready to do the good they should have done. Uh, So doing what's good shouldn't be something that we give ourselves to reluctantly, but something that we are ready for, something we're on the lookout for, seeking, desiring those opportunities. Titus 3, verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. There we see God wants us to be careful to maintain good works because that is good and that is profitable. Uh, We're not to let this this aspect of our witness slip away. We're not to allow it to be something that we have no time for because we're busy doing other things that are good. Titus 3.14 says, and let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. And there we see that the doing of good works is something that needs to be kept going. Uh, urgent needs that arise uh, are to be met. And if these things aren't happening, then the verdict of God is that the church has become unfruitful. Uh, there's much in Titus about the doing of good. Uh, Then the book of Hebrews, two verses in Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And chapter 13, verse 16. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Uh, And in those verses there is the recognition 
that the doing of good works is something that can be easily overlooked, easily squeezed out, uh, easily forgotten. And we, we need to help one another, stir one another up, spur one another on uh, to good and loving acts. Uh, then, the sixth reference is James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. We read those verses earlier. And James is explaining there that genuine saving faith always produces good works. He says in verse 17, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So the scriptures teach us that if we cannot point to good works that our faith is producing, then it is not real faith that we have. It is just a collection of beliefs in our head. It is a dead faith. And similarly, if a church cannot point to any good that it is doing, it has become a dead church. It is not like Christ. Uh, the final scripture reference, one verse, 1 Peter 2, verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Christians often talk about wanting to know the will of God. There's only a few places in the scriptures where it says that this is the will of God. Here's one of them. This is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And we're shown there that it is through the good that we do for others that the wrong things that people might say about the Lord or about his church will be silenced. People find it very hard to say bad, nasty, unkind things about those who have done them nothing but good. Some will still do it but others will be brought to think again. So the, the epistles, the teaching of the apostles that we have in the scriptures, consistently point us in the direction of being followers of Christ, as being those who give ourselves uh, to doing good, even as we also give ourselves to being tellers of the good news. I mentioned yesterday, uh, just briefly, the little um, effort that we had in Karats to, to reach folk in the community. Uh, and uh, this was the leaflet that we, we gave out. Uh, it says, do you need a helping hand? And uh, on the back of the leaflet, it, it gave a variety of ways in which people in the congregation had said that they would be willing uh, to help. For example, housework, uh, ironing, dusting, hoovering. Cooking, baking, sewing, cleaning, minor repairs and maintenance. Outdoor jobs, gardening, window washing, cutting firewood, fence painting, yard cleaning, gate repairs, fencing, hedge trimming, uh, other things such as visiting the sick, housebound or elderly, help with shopping, collecting, collection of prescriptions. And uh, then it said, your, your particular need for help may not appear in the list above, but we may still be able to help. There's no harm in asking. Uh, and so that, that was the, the information that we sent out around the, around the area. And uh, quite a few folk in the church believed that nobody would respond. That's 
quite a common expectation in Karats. <laughs> Nothing will ever work. <clears throat> uh, but people did respond. Not a vast number of people, but there were people. And uh, there are people who are sitting at home uh, lonely in their life settings. People who have things that they see every day that annoy them and trouble them. And uh, they're simple things that they're not able to do for themselves. And we've had a few people for whom that was the case. Uh, there, was a, there was a lady whose, uh, whose kitchen was uh, sorted for her. There was a, a man uh, who had a wall that he looked out at every day. Uh, a wall that had got dirty over the years and he wasn't able to sort it himself. And one of the men in the congregation came with his power hose and cleaned that man's wall. Now, cleaning, cleaning a person's wall isn't, isn't, isn't anything special. But to the man who has to sit and look at that wall every day, every day he saw that wall, he remembered the man from the church that came and washed his wall and he did it for nothing. Strange to be emotional about the cleaning of a wall. <laughs> Um, there were there were other there were other little jobs that were done that were done for people cutting of grass and wee bits and pieces uh, that well nobody knew that these things were were happening it wasn't to be publicised most of the people that we helped wanted to respond in some kind of way and uh, in most cases they, they insisted that they wanted to make a donation uh, to, to the church, our, our liturgers made it absolutely clear that we were not looking for anything uh, at all. Uh, there, were, there were two occasions where there were people um, who, had a, who had a particular need and uh, someone in the congregation was able to go on a weekly basis uh, to help them with tasks in the house, uh, ironing, cleaning, hoovering, dusting and that kind of thing. And that happened over a period of over, over a year uh, and, and that was a real help uh, to, to those people. We have a lady in our congregation who uh, works uh, as a community care worker. And one of the things that she observed was that with the cutbacks in those kind of services that are, uh, are happening, that people weren't getting the same level of care that they used to. And she took it upon herself to do things in her own time that she would have been doing previously as part of her, her work for those people. And so she was, she was collecting uh, bags of, of ironing when she went to, for her 15-minute slot that she had. You can't do a while up in 15 minutes, but she took these elderly folks ironing away. She did it in her own home, and she brought it back the next time, uh, next time she was there. And there are opportunities that exist and uh, with the, the poor state of our public finance, uh, the government will be providing less and less services. And there will be more and more opportunities for the church if we can make the time available and make ourselves available and be trusted, there will be the opportunity to help people in real ways who have real needs. Uh, we have only seen one person come to church as a result uh, of, of that particular 
uh, outreach effort. Uh, she came for about six weeks, then she stopped coming. She came once again to uh, a mission service that we had on, but she wouldn't have come at all if it hadn't been for uh, the help that she had received. And uh, the, the verses that we've looked at in Scripture show us that God attaches great value to the doing of good. Uh, it is not a meaningless thing. It is not a waste of time. It is something that God delights to see us engaged in. It is an evidence of God producing within us the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gave considerable time to helping people. And uh, it is a testimony that our faith is real. There are many Christians in Northern Ireland who are interested in doctrine, but they're not much interested in people. That's not what the Lord Jesus Christ was like. And whether our good deeds will ever lead to anyone being saved or added to the church, that all lies in God's hands. Uh, but even if it is the case that it doesn't seem to produce anything that is solid and lasting, you can still know that God's will has been done on earth. That you've sought to honour the Lord Jesus Christ, that you've got out of your own little life where you just live for yourself and belong to a church and you've sought to give of yourself for the sake of others and if you, if, you, if you go down this route you'll know that you've done the will of God because it says in the scripture this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men so I ask you to consider these things for your own personal life. Think about how you go about seeking to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to consider if there are ways in which uh, you need to adjust the way you live. And it's a challenge uh, within the congregation as well. What are the best ways that together uh, you can seek uh, to be a, a positive influence for good in the place where God has placed you? And my prayer will be that you will find that the good deeds open the doors for the good news. Amen.